Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. WBT, a radio.com station. 11.35 on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Continuing coverage of the COVID-19 crisis here in America, in North Carolina, locally. As you listen to us today, a lot of you are hunkered down at home and getting set for a week that will probably be as or more unpredictable than this past week. Uh, we just talked to uh, CMS school board member Ron DeCheek after the decision was made last night to uh, move up spring break and, uh, and have, teacher, or have students and teachers in classes Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. Uh, and that essentially, as she describes it, is to prepare these students for what is to come uh, in the weeks after that. Uh, they'll be in classes like normal, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then Thursday and Friday will be teacher work days, largely to get teachers ready for what could be uh, an extended period of time of remote classes uh, and, and, and such. And then spring break uh, has been moved up to the following week. And uh, students and teachers will be on break, so you don't take any official days off of the learning calendar that weren't already earmarked for days off. And then the real question is, what comes behind that? You heard uh, Rhonda, Cheek say, uh, Rhonda Cheek say that uh, most likely uh, it will be a, a period of digital learning from home after that. But it's all fluid, and uh, as we bring things back to a, a national perspective here, uh, a bill was pals, uh, passed, a coronavirus relief bill, after President Trump announced his support uh, yesterday in a news conference. This is uh, a, a bill that uh, will bring ahead a, a legislative package to respond to the coronavirus, uh, coronavirus crisis. Uh, Garrett Tenney has more information about the bill that was passed in the Congress last night and now heads to the Senate. This bill is 110 pages long, and the full text was not released until about an hour or so before lawmakers voted. But early this morning, the family's first Coronavirus Response Act passed by an overwhelming majority. The goal of this legislation is to provide relief to the growing number of Americans impacted by the coronavirus, both medically and economically. There were a lot of negotiations between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. They spoke more than a dozen times yesterday alone. But Republicans had a lot of concerns over the bill, including how much it's going to cost. And that's something that still isn't clear, though we know it will be at least several 
billion. However, once President Trump tweeted his support for the bill last night, it was all but assured to pass. Here's Speaker Pelosi talking about this legislation right before that vote. We did what we said we were going to do. Put families first with paid sick, uh, sick leave, paid sick days, uh, family medical leave, unemployment insurance for the children. Maybe over 20 million children uh, get their meals at school. They have food insecurity, and this bill addresses that. The bill now heads to the Senate, where it's expected to get a vote uh, sometime next week. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell previewed that in a statement, saying, of course, senators will need to carefully review the version just passed by the House, but I believe the vast majority of senators in both parties will agree we should act swiftly to secure relief for American workers, families, and small businesses. Now, this is also by no means the last act Action we'll see from Congress on this. House leaders have already indicated that next week they will begin working on an additional package to address the growing economic damage the outbreaks had on both businesses and industries across the country. That's Garrett Tenney for Fox News. Now uh, the Senate will uh, get this bill uh, next week. I had a chance uh, to talk to U.S. Senator Tom Tillis yesterday morning. It is, though, but I, but I think it's an important that we all... Uh, put things in perspective. My daughter, she's a nurse. She's got a two-year-old at home. She's expecting another baby in September, and she headed down for a 12-hour shift at a hospital in Charlotte, and she did it with confidence because she knows that even though she may get exposed to the illness among the vast majority of the population, even if she gets it, she's going to be fine. Not everyone will be, but we need to understand right now if we want our health care system to be prepared to deal with those who have complications, then we've got to be calm. We've got to contact our doctor. If you think you have the symptoms, stay at home. Call your doctor. Call a health department. Call an emergency room. Don't go to it. And that's the way that North Carolina and Charlotte can be a role model for how we can deal with this crisis in a way that will produce the best health outcomes. Uh, your Twitter feed uh, yesterday, I want to read something here. It says, uh, as all Americans look to their leaders to come together to provide solutions for the physical and economic health of our nation, North Carolinians must remember that we've been able to work across the aisle to deliver results in the past, and we stand ready to do it again. Uh, what's... Uh, your uh, assessment of how uh, that is happening in Washington right now as uh, the federal government works to uh, put together a plan here? Well, I, I hope that we, we look at and what we get from the House is an economic uh, – th th there are some people talking about stimulus. I want to talk about stabilization. Uh, I was one of the members who called for uh, for not going into recess next week so we can continue to respond to the economic and health care challenges. And I'm hopeful that what we see is something we can work on and get passed out next week. But now's the time to really mute the voices at either end of the spectrum and figure out that the American people want the leadership in Washington to come together and lead. And that's what I intend to do when, uh, for the remainder of this crisis. That's uh, U.S. Senator Tom Tillis speaking. And now, of course, uh, this bill passed with broad bipartisan support 
final tally of a 363 to 40 uh, yesterday. President Trump tweeted his support for the measure, which uh, includes provisions for paid emergency leave uh, and other things. Uh, Pelosi announced that Democrats had struck a deal with the administration, and now the president's backing clears the way for a, a, a broad, a broad pi- a bipartisan vote. Now, that's what's happening in Washington. I want to bring the focus back here locally to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Bring on uh, Charlotte City Councilman Tark Bakari from District Number 6. Uh, Tark, good uh, almost afternoon to you. Good morning, Bob. Appreciate you being here. Uh, what is your message to constituents from a city's perspective? Well, uh, I mean, if I simplified it down to one, it would be you need to be taking this very seriously, but you also need to not be operating in fear. Um, we're we're, we're going to get ahead of this as, as quickly as we can, and everyone is working all hands on deck right now uh, to figure out um, you know where where the greatest priorities of our focus need to be, and we've got a, a tough set of weeks and potentially months ahead of us that we're going to have to deal with day by day. But making sure that we're taking care of ourselves, our families, those uh, in our neighborhoods who are elderly at risk, um, uh, and and just you know thinking of others and thinking of the new normal of of practices we need to have in, in cleanliness and certain elements of social distancing, and, and we'll get through it. Uh, I was been following some of your tweets, uh, one of them uh, in uh, recent days, effective immediately and until further notice, uh, Charlotte Water will not disconnect water for non-payment of any account type, and those currently disconnected will be reconnected. Uh, any updates on that front or other utility fronts? Yes, yeah, so, um, so that was something where... Uh, Several of us knew this was very important, so we went to work saying, "What again, this goes back to the, the sentiment of priorities. What is it that we can be doing right away that can have an impact that's in our wheelhouse? So we knew that um, turning off the water uh, for some folks w- would actually be counter to the, the guidance we're giving them of stay home if possible, uh, wash your hands, do things like that. So that was a no-brainer, and it's part of a broader initiative that we rolled out and asked the manager – to go into every department in the city and see what is it, what do you do in your day-to-day operations that could be counter to what we're asking people to do as part of this. So uh, that's the first of, I think, many things to come as we reevaluate how our local government needs to operate. But it's also been a great kind of uh, setting of a precedent where then Duke Energy and uh, Piedmont Natural Gas have followed along suit from the private sector. What uh, feedback have you gotten as an elected official uh, during this past week or so as things have really uh, ramped up anxiety-wise in the community? Well, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, and and what, what I've been really striving to do, um, as has the city manager and many others, is how can we show little tidbits of leadership? Small things matter, right? So when I saw, and I was a bit confused, and I, I actually talked to the governor, uh, uh, McCrory, uh, from your um, about this, and we were both confused. What, why is everyone making runs on bottled water, right? So I, I worked quickly with uh, the head of Charlotte Water, and we assessed our current situation. We went through scenarios and looked at various, um, you know, scenarios that could impact water over the next months. And we were very confident that our, our quality of water was something that everyone should have confidence in. And it's hard to find confidence in things right now. So we're getting the word out right now that you do not need to have bottled water stockpiled right now uh, for fear of your water 
um, having having some kind of issue throughout this. Trust your Charlotte water. So there are little things like that. Where, but again, we're, so we're hearing that. I still haven't figured out why people are making runs on toilet paper. I, I was just about to say uh, that, that will become clear. <laughs> that that was uh, my next question. Is what, what's the deal with toilet paper? I mean, there, there's been no uh, indication that uh, it's not a matter of supply here. Now, what it may be a matter of uh, is number of workers at various locations. But the supply here, that's that's not in question. So uh, the, the only thing I've heard, and, I, and I, I suppose this makes sense, but again, if everybody makes a run on it at once, it's going to exacerbate the problem. I mean, people are thinking, am I going to be at home for a while where I'm not going to be able to get supplies? But but that's not that's not the case. Right. And it's again, to your point, while there could be other factors, one thing is fear ultimately makes things become self-fulfilling prophecies. And when all of a sudden the news starts reporting on toilet paper is suddenly an unexplained you know, having a run on it, well, everyone's like, well, I better go get toilet paper anywhere I can. So the, the point is uh, we need to call on, and we've already seen the grocery stores and other folks in the private sector put limitations on certain items. Right. And I think we all just need to be responsible and realize the world is not ending. We've seen this play out in other communities. The impacts will be severe, but um, it's something that we're going to work our way through, and we know who are who those of who are at, at most risk. And we need to be taking care of them and sometimes taking care of people much like, you know, we're all looking at what is it we're going to watch on TV now that every sporting event is canceled for the next couple of months. There was a time in, you know, 9-11 and other times like that where sports were the things that brought us together and we were able to unify and disconnect in our minds. Well, now the role sports and other large gatherings like that have to play is not bringing us together for the safety of of our, right. of our country and our, in our, in our, you know, global environment. So, um, so we just have to, it's, it's, everything's going to be different than what we're used to for this. Well, let the but, record show that when uh, you and I talked about this during our, uh, this latest hour of coverage, the, the question was not, uh, the question was, why are every, why is everybody out there looking for toilet paper? Not, Hey, better get your toilet paper. So that's right. That's right. Hey, uh, eleven ten. That's that's right. Thank you very much, Tark Bakari, uh, city councilman. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk in the next few weeks, but uh, appreciate the update. Yes, sir. All right, eleven forty eight on WBT. This is special continuing coverage of the COVID nineteen crisis. WBT, a radio.com station. 1151 on News Talk 1110-993-WBT and Radio.com. It is our continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. I'm Bo Thompson, and uh, we'll be here with you throughout the duration, of course, as we always are. But we're on with a special uh, hour recap of sorts, uh, where we are right now with uh, the virus as it relates to Charlotte, as it relates to North Carolina, as it relates to uh, the United States and the world. And we've talked to a member of the school board this past hour, just got off the phone with the Charlotte City Councilman, Tark Bakari. I want to go back uh, to the WBT hotline and rejoin uh, our reporters. We have Mark Garrison, who, uh, as I understand it right now, I think Mark's on line seven. Uh, Mark is uh, in a Walmart right now. Is that correct? That's right. I'm in a very busy uh, Walmart supercenter near Concord Mills. And, Boas, what is so is they are out of so many essentials, milk, and uh, they have a little bit of bread left. I think I got one of the last gallons of milk. I thought, well, I'll work and shop at the same time. Multitask. What's also very interesting is, you know, a lot of people do remote shopping. They send their list to Walmart, and uh, people pick up uh, items and store employees uh, 
you know, shop for them, and then you just pull your car up and uh, and get the groceries. They've had to put a limit on that because so many people are calling in, and normally uh, a tote they might have they might order groceries that would fill up two or three totes for the employees. They've got people calling in wanting to fill up 12 and 15 totes with groceries and then come pick it up and Walmart's having to put a limit on that. Uh, so <laughs> as one employee here said, there's just too much panic buying going on. I'm actually surprised to hear that they're even doing the, the online and, and uh, mobile stuff right now. I would think that would be a, a bit hard to maneuver with the uh, onslaught of, uh, of, of people in person to the stores. Yeah, they are still doing it, but as I said, they're putting some limitations on it because so many people are calling, and they're calling in such huge orders. Yeah, uh, that they and and they're they're also calling in orders for things that the store no longer has uh, until they restock toilet paper, bottled water, things of that nature. So uh, you're right. I was a little surprised too, but they're still doing the uh, the uh, online ordering. But a lot of people have. Uh, turned out this morning and they're getting buggy fulls of anything they can find i'm rolling up to the meat section now they're restocking some ground beef but there's no chicken there's no turkey there's i mean the meat section is totally blown out as i have experienced it uh the the few the couple of times in the last 48 hours i've been to a a grocery store uh the crowd uh decent sized not so much in the aisles but when you have to to to, uh, arrive at the checkout line that is uh where you're going to be spending some some extra time it seems and if and if you're looking for particular brands versus just uh you know milk itself if you're looking for your favorite brand of milk you may not get that but the actual milk itself where i have been which in both cases was a Harris Teeter, uh, I've, I've been okay. It's just you got to build in some extra time uh, to get out of the store. That's exactly right. I'm uh, A few minutes ago when I first came in the doors, there was a long line at the checkout, but right now there's just a big crowd throughout the store, and it's growing. But it's interesting to me just how many empty shelves there are at this moment. I'm looking at the, uh, the section where you would get deli meats, right. <laughs> you know, ham, bologna, all empty. Wow. Mark Garrison, thank you. We're going to pivot over here and talk to uh, Brett Jensen, who joins me now on uh, line number eight. Brett, let's talk about the latest numbers as it relates to uh, cases of coronavirus in our area. Yeah, right now in our area, in the state of North Carolina, last night it was confirmed that the 20th person in North Carolina has tested positive for coronavirus. Now, of course, that does not include the man that you were talking about earlier that said he drove by some uh, secret place. That yes, those are those are official numbers. Right. Those are the official numbers. 20 people in North Carolina. The official numbers are 13 people in, North, in South Carolina. Uh, there's at least nine people in Wake County. That's Raleigh. And the vast majority of the South Carolina cases are either in Lancaster County or Kershaw County. And uh, if you're looking at national numbers, the United States has reported 50 deaths from the virus, 37 in Washington State, which has been the area of concentration uh, here uh, domestically uh, since, you know, from day one, uh, five in California, three in Florida, one each in New Jersey, South Dakota, Georgia, Colorado, and Kansas. Uh, Brett, uh, any final uh, words uh, as we uh, wrap up this hour? No, other than the fact that it really just seems to be the epicenter in Washington State. It just came down at 11.15 this morning that 47 employees at that nursing home facility in Washington State tested positive for this. So 
Um, that's that's where we are right now. So that's but again, that seems to be the epicenter, and that's how it's spread to Wake County because one person actually. Uh, that's how the initial one started in Wake County. Someone visited that uh, nursing home, but right now, no. I mean, thankfully, we are still at just 20 verified cases and zero deaths. Okay, thank you, Brett Jensen. Uh, let's go to Joe Gillespie, uh, who's on line one here. Joe Gillespie from the WBT News team. Uh, all hands on deck this morning, Joe. What can you tell me? Okay, let's talk just a second about tomorrow. Tomorrow is Sunday, and a lot of people go to church on Sunday. That's right. Well, there's changes in that world this week. Bishop Jugas uh, of the Diocese of Lexington, I mean, of uh, Charlotte, has put out that the Catholics don't have to attend church tomorrow. The churches will be there and they'll be open, but they do not have to attend. Elevation put out the word this week that they're not going to actually have, you know, people in the, in the house services, but they will be broadcasting services on the web. Uh, it's a time when people need that and need their religion, but they may have to find a bit of a different way to get it for a while until we get this thing sorted out. Well, and uh, other churches here in town, many of them have uh, decided to go the route of uh, digital uh, broadcasts of their uh, church services. Uh, I was talking to, uh, earlier this week about how many of them uh, in the actual services had stopped doing the, the, the you know, hello, shake hands with your neighbor part. Right. Well, uh, and that has now uh, morphed into uh, many places. Uh, our our uh, Myers Park United Methodist Church is one that comes to mind that I know that is uh, doing a, an all-digital broadcast of their uh, their church services, all of them tomorrow. And I, I know they're not the only ones. And uh, churches that are actually holding services, uh, I, I feel quite sure, are going to be instituting the uh, the social distancing practices that we're seeing. Uh, there's a, a, a movie theater in town uh, that just announced that uh, it, they're going to continue to show movies, but they're only going to allow half as many people in the actual auditorium uh, if people are going to partake in that. I, I, that would not be the first place I'd want to go, period, uh, this, this, uh, <laughs> this right. weekend. Uh, where you might be in close quarters with people, but you you see the effect of the uh, the, the the changes that many of these businesses and organizations are are putting in place to uh, adapt to this new normal. Joe went went out to dinner last night, and and there's a table we like at this particular restaurant that is it's 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 not it's sort of isolated. It's it's kind of away from the other tables, and we noticed several people coming into the restaurant were using things. To grab the door with. That's right, and and we're putting their hands on the door. And people uh, wear plastic gloves. We know about the masks. Joe, thank you very much. That's going to wrap up this update hour of coverage. Uh, Brett Winterbull will be back tomorrow from ten to noon with two more hours of updates for you, and of course, bright and early on Monday morning, five a.m. on WBT's Morning News. Thanks to Joe Gillespie, Mark Garrison, Brett Jensen, Ron DeCheek, Tark Bakari, and of course, here in the studio, the great Chris Farrell. I'm Bo Thompson, and uh, we'll be back uh, as soon as we need to be in this continuing coverage era of the COVID-19 crisis. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.